Welcome to episode 318 of the Spokesman Cycling Podcast. This show was engineered on Monday, 2nd of January, 2023. The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn are committed to building bikes that are useful enough to ride every day and dependable enough to carry the people you love. In other words, they make the kind of bikes that they want to ride. Turn has e-bikes for every type of rider, whether you're commuting, taking your kids to school, or even carrying another adult. Visit www.turnbicycles.com, that's T-E-R-N, bicycles.com, to learn more. Happy New Year! I'm Carlton Reed, and welcome to another year of the Spokesman podcast, which has been coming to you non-stop since 2006. Amazingly, it's now 2023. And on the first working day, after the festive break, there's this here announcement about a new £39 million fund that plans to empower local communities in England to create people-friendly environments through design. Active Travel England's new capability fund will, in the words of the press release, create a national network of experts to work with communities, enhance high streets and make regional roads safer for everyone. Working with the willing, Active Travel England will be doing what urban designer Brian Deegan did so well in Greater Manchester, and that's engaging with people, asking them not whether they want to limit car use, but what they wanted their streets to look like and how they wanted them to function. Brian is now the Director of Inspections at Active Travel England, and I teased Active Travel Commissioner Chris Boardman over whether the Capability Fund was a sort of cloning exercise, replicating Brian's expertise in lots of local authorities. But first, I asked Chris to explain a little bit about the fund and the announcement. The emphasis is a lot less on encouraging people and more on enabling them. And then when you start digging into what that means, some of it's political, some of it's uh, psychological, um, but a lot of it is capability behind the scenes. So the, the point of this, and it, and it sounds rather melodramatic, but it's true, uh, we need to build an army of engineers and local of- officers who are capable of delivering to, to a consistently high standard across a whole country. And this fund is part of starting that. So it's to enable local authorities to make active travel even higher value than it already is by by creating in-house capability, so reduce their dependency on consultancies. And it's the start of several large announcements this year uh, to get people ready. So they've got a pipeline of schemes that we can start delivering consistently uh, as we go forward. So active travel is, it will become a mainstream part of transport. You're you're basically cloning Brian Deegan. So you're creating lots of Brian Deegan type people in local authorities is, is is that kind of is is that the template yeah well Brian's obviously our director of inspection and he's uh, worked for for decades in this area and knows 
uh, they're both politically and technically I mean right down to how high is a curb what is required to enable people within the laws of this country to get around easily uh, under their own steam and feel safe doing it so that's why we we put them in that position now we need people like that in every council across the country or every council that wants to you know they think the important bit that we're also injecting here is choice that's what this is about giving people a genuine choice in how they travel because one of those choices is underrepresented um and we need skilled people who can navigate the system now that the reason i said engineers and local officers or officials is because it's different it needs to be custom for each local authority what it is that they're lacking some have engineers but the 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 knowledge amongst local councillors on how to do it and how to how to conduct an effective consultation that takes people with you doesn't exist so the training is in a different space than whereas somewhere else they've got great political will and they're frustrated that the officers aren't capable of delivering um, so I mean, that's, that comes from years and years of knowledge um, and over the next, well by the spring we hope that we'll have a package uh, of training for all authorities um, to help them develop their capabilities Is that the way, so it's 39.2 million is that is that where the money is going on and things like uh, training up to make these mini Mike, um, Brian Deegans and it, it, it's like a you know, when you, when you put money down for a brand new cycleway or a new bus route or, you know, a widening pavement, or whatever, that's capital. That comes out of one fund. But when you actually want to do stuff with council officers, that obviously comes out of a different pot of revenue. So, so is that what this is for, to fill in those gaps? To a large degree, yeah. Um, and, and the reason it's, it's slightly more... Um opaque than that is because it needs to be customized but ostensibly it's to create a, a national machine that produces a pipeline of high quality schemes across the country and they need to be consistent across the country so wherever you are you are you see you see a sign with with a bike on it or somebody walking and you know you're going to have a good experience so mm. this scheme is about creating that capability within all the local authorities who want to do it and obviously that's a, a rapidly growing number for i mean for a lot of people because they simply can't afford the status quo or realizing rather that we can't afford the status quo so when people go there's you know there's hundreds of millions for active travel it doesn't just design itself that capability isn't there and that consistency is is what we need probably more than the quantum of cash we we actually need the consistency and the ability to design and deliver when cash is available so criticisms potentially could be I've not not this scheme in particular, but just you know people want infrastructure first. So you kind of, you kind of got a, a people who just say, look, we just want infrastructure. Forget anything that you know is ancillary to that. Just give us infrastructure. And then the other criticism from from a totally different point of view will be these kind of things are, are nanny statism. Why do we need people to tell us how to to cycle, how to walk, all these kind of things? So so how do you how do you square those two circles? Well, the environment is is everything. <laughs> you know, we, we, we can dance around it and we, we can look at all the stats about, you know, we know that we're inactive and it's costing the health service a billion pounds a year and all of that. But the only thing, the reason we're going to get on, on a bike or, or, um, 
or walk to school every day is if it's the easiest choice and it feels safe. Simple as that. Um, and so the, the job of Active Travel England is to strip away the noise and go, but what really makes a difference? And it's safe space. Number one is safe, convenient routes where I want to go continuously. Um, and that's what we have to focus on. Once that is there, then you can start giving people the tools to use that space. So bike hire schemes and really inject uh, in, into bike training, bike ability training specifically, uh, concentrated mm. in the areas where you've created safe space. So the layers of things that are needed, but I mean, I'm tempted to use a metaphor of baking a cake, really. You, you, need, you need all the ingredients and you need them in the right proportions and you need them added in the right order. You know, otherwise you just end up with with stuff that's inedible or unusable. Now, am I right to be thinking that this is not new money? So this isn't a, a government announcement of this is you know a brand new pile of, of thirty nine million pounds, a big pile of cash, new. This is coming out of your existing budget, and you're just apportioning it. Yeah, uh, there's, there's no you know there's no disguise in the fact that last year's the politics last year meant that things got slowed down. You know, we had we had. We had three prime ministers in, in, in a matter of months and, and behind them is a team of people and behind them is another team of people. So all of that changes and the decision making um, is, is, is slowed down. So we're, we're several months uh, behind where we wanted to be, but we're now very much on the move. There's been some great activity in the last few weeks um, and we're finally getting out a lot of the stuff that we wanted to do. Um, Active travel, I'm pleased to say, is very highly valued in uh, inside the Department for Transport. Uh, and politically, there's really good support for it now as well. So, as I said, I hope this, this will be the first of uh, several announcements over the next few months. Uh, this is the one that enables people to use uh, and capitalise on everything that comes next. But uh, no, it's not new money. It's two billion, it's part of the two billion dedicated funding that was promised in 2020. And now we're actually in a position to uh, to start to to utilise it and make sure it's spent properly. I mean, it, to set up an entire business, which was Active Travel England, to deliver that and make sure it is spent properly, is something that's incredibly technical. Ask anybody who's who started a business. So we're we're well into recruitment. We've had to put offices in place. Those are now open. Uh, all of the mechanics of creating first a national machine that then can drive the, the, the regional machines. So it's, um, it's quite exciting, actually, um, and exhausting. I think it's, it's taken a long time to get here. But at last, we're ready to actually start doing the job at pace and consistently. And how hands-off or, or potentially even hands-on is the DFT? How, how, how much leeway do you have, Chris? And DFT is an essential part. I mean, we're an arm's length body. We choose how we deliver government's policy, how we how we get this mission done. That's down to us. But we have to interact with buses and trams and trains and national highways and the Department for Health, uh, uh, even over at DCMS, you know, and my other role at Sport England, that they're also a statutory consultee in the planning system. So there's so many partnerships. You We have autonomy in how we deliver the mission but we have to work really closely with other people if we if we want to do it well and forming those relationships um is well underway now i'm really quite excited and and enthused actually by the level of enthusiasm and desire to see change that that, that we've encountered 
is, is any of that to do with Jesse Norman or is this something that uh, doesn't matter who the individual is you, you think this is baked in now I think it's essential who the people are individuals are, are, are critical I mean if if I could have walked into Parliament um, and looked into into the rows of seats and said right pick a minister then then Jesse mm. Norman would have been it um, we have we've known each other for several years um, he understands politics very well obviously he's, he's done a considerable stint at treasury which is very helpful um and he acts actively asked for the active travel brief and that's really important that that you get somebody who's chosen to be here who wants wants to make a difference um so it's quite exciting really uh, really looking forward to working with him closely over over the next year Potentially, this administration, as you said before, you know, we've had many changes within even this administration. But going forward, you know, over electoral cycles, you might have a different administration. So the building blocks you put in place here, presumably you, you consider would survive any change of administration, perhaps even be strengthened in a future administration. Well, I think it, I mean, not wishing to uh, to sidestep your question, this this should go beyond politics. This is followed any, any administration who, who purports to follow the evidence uh, and to want to do the best thing for for a community. Then this is where you end up. You know, I mentioned earlier that that people are doing this because they've realised they can't afford not to. Well, that's where we started in Greater Manchester four years ago. What's it cost you to travel as you are now? Can you afford it? Um, and I think there's been a the turnover of people that we've worked with from officers to uh, to politicians in the last few months often have come at this fresh and gone, why are we doing this? And then they realise, well, I have to, yeah, I've got climate commitments that we absolutely have to meet. Uh, we've got a health service that is is being, well, severely burdened, shall we say, by uh, by inactivity. You know, one in six deaths in the UK is down to inactivity. And I mentioned a billion pounds. I think it costs nearly eight billion pounds to the economy. You look at all of those and then you follow the thread and you realise that active travel is a huge part of the, the solution. It's the transport mode that punches above its weight. It's a, it's a quiet but powerful industry that is growing, uh, not necessarily because people think I love cycling, you might absolutely have nothing to do with cycling, but then realise that there's never been a more important time in history to allow people to get around under their own steam. So our supporters have amassed for different reasons, um, but they all end up in the same space because it's the cheapest, quickest, most logical answer. So I would expect, fully expect, and I'm highly confident that the active travel agenda will just get stronger and stronger and stronger. I'll stop Chris there for a quick message from this show's sponsor from my colleague, David. Hello, everyone. This is David from the Fredcast and, of course, the Spokesman. And I'm here once again to tell you that this podcast is brought to you by Turn Bicycles. The good people at Turn build bikes that make it easier for you to replace car trips with bike trips. Part of that is being committed to designing useful bikes that are also fun to ride. But an even greater priority for TURN is to make sure that your ride is safe and worry-free. 
And that's why Turn works with industry-leading third-party testing labs like EFBE and builds its bikes around Bosch e-bike systems, which are UL certified for both electric and fire safety. So before you even zip off on your turn, fully loaded and perhaps with a loved one behind, you can be sure that the bike has been tested to handle the extra stresses on the frame and the rigors of the road. For more information, visit www.turnbicycles.com to learn more. And now, back to the spokesman. Thanks, David. And we are back with Chris Boardman. Do you think your, 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 your time, obviously, in Manchester will colour this, this the, the answer to this, but do you think devolution helps with this going forward? So now, now North Tyneside, or the whole of, 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 of uh, the, the Tyneside region is going to have a, a Manchester-style um, uh, administration. So do you think those kind of localised, regionalised administrations are going to be much more powerful going forward for for what you would like to see uh, happen? Yeah, well, macro and micro are... I mean, th- this, is, this is huge change delivered at a very, very local level, you know, hyper-local. This is me going out my front door to go to the shops or to go to the train or the tram station. Um, and that's where the change happens. And then you scale that up. Now, the time in Greater Manchester was invaluable and it made me realize that local councillors are in charge of climate change because you realize that if there's a local councillor and he's got a majority of four and somebody's screaming in his face about removing a car parking space and his job is to represent that individual who he knows and has known all his life then if they don't change well you scale that up and nothing changes therefore you you know climate change is severely impacted and health and all the other things that I mentioned. So we need to give that local councillor what they need to be able to go, well, we're going to remove that car park and space, but this is why it's good for you. Um, this is how I'm going to get you, or uh, hopefully this is this is the method I'm going to use. So we arrive in the same solution. We both want the same thing. So it's um, you need to mesh the two things together. And devolution can very much be a part of that, I think. I think it needs to be... Um, to go further at the moment. I mean, the local politicians need the powers to, to interact with uh, uh, the strategic road network. Um, there's work in the pipeline, as we know, about pavement parking, all of these things. But devolution can very much be a part of it. Uh, and I was in Newcastle a few months ago and I had a look around and I saw the work that had been done to stitch bits and pieces together to make a cohesive network and and the desire that was there, but without that local desire, um, it doesn't happen. And just to add on, I mean, that's one of the reasons that, and I mentioned it earlier, this is about choice. If if there's a local authority or an entire region that has no interest in increasing active travel, then good luck to them. And we will not be forcing anybody to work, but we won't won't do things badly. So we will learn to use the overused cliche uh, we will work with the willing and create examples at such a scale that they become unignorable and that's already happening and these examples that you hope to create via local authorities will come 
mainly from do you think existing officers being trained up or do you envisage uh, councils maybe actually creating jobs that take this on board it's our support is proportionate and targeted and there'll be more on this in the in the next few months um but a local authority who has no uh, no trained officers doesn't know how to conduct consultations but is rocket keen to do it then we'll help them with training <clears throat> excuse me um, um, and with schemes that they can win at from where they're at at the moment and we'll try to help them grow as fast as possible um, for those that are already <clears throat> excuse me like greater manchester to birmingham um, and the west midlands in particular um, who are already on the journey and already have people in place and have the capability mm. to deliver and have learned a lot of the lessons we'll both we'll just say hey crack on um, you know the standards we'll check you're meeting those standards but crack on and tell us what you need because we have to do it if we're going to deliver government's targets of 50 percent of all journeys cycled or walked by uh, by 2030 then we're going to have to work with those that are already capable um intensively uh, and we're going to have to work where the concentrations of people are but that doesn't mean that other areas that are just turning to this will get left behind they absolutely won't because in the press release it says the fund could see up to 1300 new green jobs created mm-hmm. across england so where are those jobs coming from well you, you have to design you have to design and you have to consult uh, all of those all of that capability, which is why it's called capability fund, um, is generally people. You know, you, you 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 need people to be able to go and speak to local communities and run really effective consultations that help the people that are there design the network that they want. So we have to have a network of networks and a machine to create that. And this is a very personal thing, changing how people travel in a region and giving them real choices the ones that they that will actually change behavior um and all of that is people so mm. i think that's an underestimation and that's you know that that's specifically to do with this fund and how it can be used and it says up to because again it's a choice um, um and it's quite possible that that's where all of this this uh, this particular fund will go on engaging uh, people, officers capable of uh, of conducting all those tasks. So urban planning courses and schools and, and, and what have you 20 years ago wouldn't have had a great deal of, of, of active travel in there, wouldn't probably even have much bus stuff either. It would have been pretty much predicated on cars, 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 cars. That presumably has changed over the last uh, 20 years and and the, and the throughput of trained people were going to get out of these courses i mean much much more aware of of modes other than uh, uh, the car is that something that you're seeing that you're seeing that the old guard are falling away and you have a new thrusting you know bunch of millennials perhaps who are now wanting to change the world in the way that they're, they're the people who before changed the world but for cars and now changing the world but not for cars i think we're we're um we're actually we are and have been on the same side you have to bear with me with this one um <laughs> and, but we haven't realized it and i think that's that's a key difference that certainly the learning in greater manchester 
if if you say do you do you want to ride a bicycle people say no but do you want a place that's quiet and you'd like to sit and you can you can let your kids walk around on their own and or go to school yeah i'd like one of those things would you like to save money by having one less car in the household not not driving but but one less car yes that'd be great what would you need for that to happen well um i'd have to be sure the kids were safe okay what would that look like um well you know there's no real fast cars everywhere so lower speed limits where, where you live yeah yeah and, and they'd have to get across the main roads. So you mean like crossings or, 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 or well-lit underpasses? Yeah, yeah, those things. Okay, so you mean this. <laughs> so so that's the key, I think, for me, is that we start to talk about the outcomes of all of this. We start to talk about what does this actually give me that I value in a language that I choose. So that could be money saved. It could be time saved. It could be easier life. It could be a better place to live. It could be something for my kids. I mean, you, you probably saw the piece on Kesgrave High School that we did uh, a few months ago. I was just, can't believe, I was embarrassed the fact that we didn't know about this place. You know, nine, eight to 900 kids every day, 61% ride to school. And we went, that's got to be a mistake. I had to go and see it. Now, if you actually talk about kids getting to school and being able to avoid bullying because they don't have to be kettled on a bus after school, all of the benefits that, that this can bring, if you speak to people about that, then suddenly you've got common ground. And, and I think that's absolutely critical here that we actually want the same thing. Um, and, and we know that by the fact that when we introduce high quality cycling and walking facilities in an area, give it a couple of years and people would fight you tooth and nail if you wanted to take it away. So we know the majority want the same thing, just not everybody has realized it and doesn't see it in the same way. So it's, it's the way that we're going. And, um, and there's examples all over the world. I mean, you'll be very familiar with Paris, you know, which is, which is one of my favorite examples because it's not the most people act, traveling actively, but it's the one that's changing fastest uh, and it's a it's a society that's close to ours um, and seeing what's happening there. And, and they they play to another part of human nature, which is which is positive peer pressure. Really, it's just a case of here's somebody doing something and I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable not doing it. Well, the more of those examples that we can create in our country, the better. Going back, I mean, absolutely. Paris is a is kind of poster child for that. But going back to Kesgrave. Ipswich. Mm -hmm. my, my theory on that, and it is just a theory, you, you can't can't pin this down, was the United States Air Force dropped yep. 2,000 bicycles yep. on that community in, in the Second World War. Um, and as far as I can tell, it was the only United States Air Force or any military base that, that just dropped so many bicycles at, at one time. That must have, I, I posit, created a, a, a community of People, A, riding around the, the, the Air Force base, they must have then gone, you know, to the local pubs. But, and that must have created a community of cyclists. And that's why in the 1960s, the local authority decided to put those, those, those cycleways in, in, in for that particular school when it, was, when it was expanded. So just putting bicycles, getting, getting people with bicycles. I mean, maybe that's even why, why Paris, you know, with the, the Velib scheme you're getting more people on bicycles, you almost don't need many of the other things. It's just get people on bicycles. 
Well, that would be true if you could introduce 1930s to 1960s levels of traffic at the same time, because mm. that 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 um, that that theory has just missed the fact that that they started with much quieter and safer space. Mm. And I think if you drop 2,000 bicycles now, you wouldn't have much of an impact because people still wouldn't feel safe and they still wouldn't want to go on a road with cars that are travelling fast around. So I think that's the difference. Um, I mean, the story of Kesgrave is definitely you know worth exploring and local farmers. And when they sold the land, they they uh, one of the stipulations was they had to keep the, the network in place and build around it, not over it. Um, and it, I think, um, have you ever been there? Have you ever been? Yes. I mean, it, you'll see it's not perfect by any means and it's not mm. shy and there's lots of shared use and all the things mm. that are not supposed to work, but it works because the core of it is there. It's joined up and it deals. Yeah, with it's, a ne- it's a network. I think the word you said there before was the, was the key there. It wasn't isn't just two or three cycleways beside a road. It's a, a, a quite a dense network of but very, very different kinds of facilities. Yeah. And the underpass to get to the school itself is just a horrible, mm. I, think, I guess, 1980s underpass that, you know, 60s. The volumes of people have made it usable. You know, the mm. safety of numbers and natural security. And I, I well, think, that, was, uh, that was built in, in something like 64, 65. So it's quite very, very early. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for what they were doing, yeah. And it's, it's horrible, but it functions... Um, and I think that's key. I mean, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that area. I was almost relieved to find that when we spread out, I went on a tour down there for um, a full day and we rode miles around the whole area, that move away from that, that probably, what is it, 10 square kilometres, and it's very normal and it's still very car-dominated. Um, and it was almost a relief, to be honest, but they'd inherited something and then built on it and made it work for them. Um, but it was, it's just a brilliant test case of what happens when you give people what they need. Um, and it's great to have an example that's not in London. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, how far is it? It's about 50 miles out, 45 miles out from London? Yeah, pretty easy train journey. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Right, so this, this announcement... On second of uh, uh, January, um, do you think it's technical press will pick up on this rather than mainstream? What do, what do you think is going to happen with the announcement? I, I don't expect and don't require it to be to be uh, hugely newsworthy. I mean, it's it's the start. It's to get ready for a sustained big push that's coming um, mm. throughout the year, and I, I think there's bigger stories in the pipeline. So this is just a case of we're letting people know that there's. Thirty-two million pounds worth of, uh, of funding now available for local councils and, and local authorities to to start getting ready to deliver a network of networks. So people, and I'm talking about people here, as in the general population, can expect to be consulted and and taken on board by Brian Deegan clones and asked what they want, which was what you were saying before about you know do you want this, and it turns out to be that's what they actually want. So we can expect much more localised planning on the ground in certain areas. um, I'm not quite sure where the question was there. I think um, consultation is a big part of it and the capability to run a good consultation. And uh, harping back to to Greater Manchester again, the, the 
the best thing that we did there was give the pen to the people who lived there and said, okay, first of all, you don't have to draw anything. You don't have to do anything. Um, but if you did, where would you go? And what's in your way? And what would you do about that? And we helped them to design something that worked for them around their shops and local communities and places where they knew that they, uh, and that ownership was absolutely everything. Um, and that, and that's, that's been witnessed across the country has been really effective when you give people a choice and I mean a genuine choice including a choice to do nothing you end up getting to the same space but the choice is really important when you're talking about people's homes and their communities um, and this fund will be heavily weighted towards making sure that capability is there uh, and the training to be able to do that consistently you talk about people's homes there residential roads um there's a bet noir yeah i'm sure you come across it all the time in in media interviews when you get asked about this but ltns load traffic neighborhoods it absolutely seems to be the 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 most hated thing from 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 some commentators you know so it's taken some sort of freedom away from them but ltns have got this reputation of iniquity in that you're in effect giving facilities to middle-class people and if you're forcing the traffic, the, the motorised traffic away from residential streets and yeah, people's houses go up in value, et cetera, et cetera. But then you're actually forcing the motor traffic to go on the boundary roads, which then makes it uh, people live on those boundary roads and they tend to be poorer people live on those boundary roads. So displacement, how do you get around the fact that any uh, measures to make it nicer for people to walk and cycle could actually make it worse for other people because it increases traffic on their roads, motor traffic on their roads. There's, there's no, there's no solution, and uh, God knows we'd all love one. Um, there is no solution that says we're going to change how we use our streets uh, that is pain-free. And that's why it takes political will. And that's why political will is one of the things that we require. We know, as we mentioned earlier, and you'll be well aware of with the likes of Waltham Forest, is that once you've pushed through that for two years, if it's a well-designed scheme, well-considered, then people prefer it. And we know that 70% of the stuff that was done during COVID and attracted a lot of those headlines uh, has been made permanent because people wanted to keep it. And... That hasn't made headlines. The fact that actually low traffic neighbourhoods or whatever you actually want to call them, it's just local traffic management, really, um, and, and traffic being managed for the type of roads that it is where it had been allowed to be repurposed for moving traffic um, is actually, it, it's a very sensible and, and, uh, and, and just a standard thing to do. Um, I mean, there's lots of lessons, I think, to be learned. I'm not sure packaging them up into one big thing that's visible and it's change all at once is necessarily the way to go. I think it, it, it can be done in stages. Um, I'm rambling a bit here, but I think LTNs are, if you actually describe the content I mentioned earlier, the outcomes, then most mm. people agree, yes, I want that. Um, then there's going to have to be there's going to have to be some compromise if you want to, in to introduce choice 
back into society. And I think when you talk about choice of kids travelling to school, parents with prams, there's a disabled that don't feel that they have to travel in a vehicle all the time because actually the pavements work for them, they're clear, the crossings are all in the right places. Then all of those things people want. Um, we need to make sure that this is portrayed as to this is what it actually gives you. This isn't taking away, it's actually giving people something back that they've lost. Can society, can British society create this this nirvana of people walking, cycling, taking the bus, all these different modes, doing that more? Can you create that and have elevated levels of car use? Or do you have to have a reduction in car use to get the former? I think you're almost talking about the same thing. If you if you make space for your kids to walk to school or ride to school or scoot every day, then you don't need to drive them there. And that's, that's where the chicken and egg and where the pain comes is your, the discomfort is the change over period because you make the space and then the behavior changes. To make the space, then there's not enough of it at the moment in places where it's saturated, particularly at rush hour. Uh, and that's, that's the political hump that you have to get over. And time and again, it's shown that that change happens. Um, and I think, um, I think that's the juxtaposition. That's where the political will is, is required for that first step where people don't necessarily, they're worried about change and they don't, can't see the alternative until they've experienced it. A lot of people won't change until they can experience something. <clears throat> and so to create that um, takes courage. Um, and I think just to go slightly sideways, where we often get it wrong, and we've actually been alluding to it subconsciously all the way through here, is by we pose the wrong question. If we pose what's the place you live look like, forget cycling and walking, what's it look like? Um, and uh, <clears throat> what would you give up for that? Or what would you change for that? Would you like to have one less car? And I think it, we, we, we need to really think carefully about the questions that we're asking. Um, so a counter question to the one you've just asked me was, what happens if we don't? <laughs> what happens if we don't? Can we afford it? Do you like it? Um, and I think that's, that's probably the underlying, the most important thing is that we need to start asking the right questions. So do you think you can get the Daily Mails, and I write for the Daily Mail, but do you think you can get the Daily Mails of this world on side and how? I don't know is the answer. And I'm not sure I should care. Um, <laughs> because I, I can't... Uh, we have to spend time creating a message that's attractive and asking the right questions. So, you know, if we don't do this low traffic neighborhood, um, how are you going to tackle climate change? And do you like it? Um, and there's, there's lots of things. And wouldn't you like your kids to be able to get around under their own steam? Uh, and I think the, the us constantly asking the right questions, you know, what happens if you win? What have you won? <laughs> there's, 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 a, there's a raft of really good questions that make... And the nice thing about questions, they cut through emotion and connect with the person. 
and make them stop and think. Um, and you won't win them all. This is not a this this is not a, an easy journey. Change culture change never is. It's always slow and it's always painful. So the best way we can do it to come back to the start is to work with those that are prepared to go through that first bit of discomfort, uh, take people through that slightly scary bit of change, and then create examples. Um, and to hark back to Greater Manchester again, when we went when we put our draft network online way back in 2018 um, and asked people for their opinion, just put it out there and said, tell us what you think. The biggest complaints were, where's ours? Where's our bit? They've got it. We haven't got it. And, and that's, uh, that's the kind of battle that you want. So uh, I'm not, I don't think we, we can and we should try to persuade everybody. But we should just speak to the evidence um, and the evidence of outcomes that have been seen elsewhere and crack on because what happens if we don't? Thanks to Chris Boardman there. And thanks to you for listening to episode 318 of the Spokesman Podcast, brought to you in association with Turn Bicycles. Links about the Capability Fund can be found on the show notes at the-spokesman.com. The next episode will be with a critical mass campaigner looking to change hearts and minds through song. That show will be out soon. But meanwhile in 2023 get out there and ride